Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, uh, my name is Carol. I am a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Um, I am. Uh, uh, it's important for me uh, to know numbers. I. You don't. You can't see me. You don't know me. Um, many of you. Um, I am. Uh, all right, so I am 57 years old. I'm in the program for 40 years. I came in when I was 17. I had just lost 100 pounds on Weight Watchers in four months and I had gained it back in two. Okay, so if you're thinking, you know, if you're, all right, I was 17 years old, 16 when I lost the weight and then through that year, now I'm in high school, okay? So you're following me here, I'm in high school. Um, it was brutal. I was an obese kid. I was, an ob I was a big baby. I was an obese child. I, my mother told me I always cried for a second bottle and she gave it to me. Um, I come from a family. Uh, my father had, uh, and I didn't know this until I went to graduate school. My father was bipolar too, and he fits the criterion perfectly. Um, he also had very bad depression. It runs in my family. My great grandmother committed suicide. There's a lot of mental health on my dad's side. My mother is Irish. Uh, drunk. My mother's an alcoholic. So it was kind of a perfect storm. And then I'm born into a family. My mother had just lost her brother. Uh, he died of a brain tumor. They were very young. Um, she kind of mothered him. You kind of don't need to hear all this, but I guess what I'm saying is it's been very helpful for me to kind of unwind some of my uh, past, what I was born into. I think there was a lot of anxiety. I think my parents realized at that point they really didn't like each other. They managed to stay married for 53 years. But um, my father was also domestic violence. Uh, so if you understand what I grew up in, there's a lot of trauma, a lot of ugly, uh, a lot of painful and food, you know, food lit me up like a Christmas tree. Okay, so food, I have those buttons and they got pressed with food and it gave me the comfort, it gave me the peace. And, and I knew when I was a kid, there was no question in my mind that my life, my life was amazing. The only, I had this problem is that I was obese, right? And um, I remember writing in one of my journals as a, as I, maybe I was 12, if I could just lose, you know, 20 pounds, right? I probably weighed 220 at that point. So that would have made me a, a trim 200. So I was very unrealistic about how big I was. Um, uh, I think that has a lot to do with this fantasy of being of the obese person. So my thought was, is that the second I lost the weight, was that I was gonna basically step into a TV show and be that, like my life was gonna be like a TV show. So what I find is that uh, when I'm skinny, I cannot stop thinking about food. When I'm obese, I am in a fantasy of how amazing my life will be when I'm skinny. And I don't seem to have any other way of being in the world. I know that my life will be perfect when I'm thin, when I'm obese and eating. And when I'm, um, thin, I'm obsessed with food. So uh, this is not a way to live, guys. I mean, this is not a way to live. Um, I also, uh, I'll all address that in a little while. Okay, something I, so, so if you do the numbers here, I came into program when I was um, 17 and a half on the day. Um, I, I heard things in the meetings that I'd never heard before. One, life, one bite leads to a binge. Even at 17, I absolutely knew this was the last house in the block. I totally got it. I thought this was unbelievable because Weight Watchers, I had gone back to meetings sobbing and I couldn't stop eating. So I had never binged in my life until I hit goal weight, never. I just ate all the time and denied it. 
I remember one time my mother, who was also obese, suggested that I uh, like keep track of my calories. I was offended. I was offended. How dare you? Like, I don't eat that much. Okay, move it along here. Um, I came in when I was 17. I heard the power of the word. I heard something here I'd never heard before. And I knew someplace deep inside of me that there was a solution here. Now, the problem was, is that, and I literally was struck abstinent. It was powerful. It was remarkable. I, I One bite leads to a binge, powerless over food. These people got me. They understood me. And you know what's the interesting thing was, is there was, it was in the, in a, a, the back upstairs room of a bank. This is where this meeting was. So there were three obese women there and me. Okay, and all the women had been in the program, the three of them, they've been in the program for like ever, 20 years. Nobody was abstinent, but the program really works. And, you know, I used to say that as a criticism of people as like a kind of, nobody's abstinent and we're not doing right by our newcomers. Guess what? I got the message. I heard, because guess what? When I took my gray sheet and I hit the road because I was done with this, you know, I'm like, I listen, you're 17, you're in a program called Overeaters Anonymous. Like, how is that cool? That does not work Carol, for anything. Carol, um, that's five. Thank you. Um, that does not work for anything about me. I was in high school. This was total overeaters. Couldn't they call it something else? Like, I, it was so not cool. Um, and I grabbed my gray sheet and I got the hell out of there, um, which is a diet plan for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and then about six months later, I was sitting, and if you know the gray sheet, you get a protein and a fruit for breakfast. So one of the proteins happens to be a half of a three pound chicken. So I'm eating my half chicken for breakfast with a Rome apple that was probably the size of the house I live in um, because, and then everything is doused in, okay, the free food, mustard, vinegar, and sweet and low, okay? So uh, it's doused because I am now starving. I'm, I'm skinny and I'm starving. I ate a half a chicken and then I ate the other half and then I knew that the thing was back, that thing was back that the compulsion, so I started going back to meetings. And let me tell you something, the first abstinence is a gift, the second one you have to work for. And, um, and that's probably what this meeting is based on. And I can tell you guys that most people in OA relapse, um, I would like to tell you that I can teach you how to weigh your cottage cheese better. Um, and I promise you that is not what this is about. So if you think the right sponsor, the right, uh, food plan, the right nutritionist, the right this, the right meeting, that, that is not where it's at. It is about waking up and staying awake. This is a dip, we appeal to a different level of the self. Um, this is about changing. This had to be a, for me about changing my life. It took me a while because I then relapsed. Okay, I relapsed until I was 29 and I've been abstinent since I was 29. So that is Sunday was 28 years of back-to-back -back abstinence. And that also, remember, now I was obese, I lost the weight, I gained it back, I lost it again, I choked on a piece of chicken, guess what? I taught myself bulimia. You know, um, if you are not willing to, to do the work in here, I have found that, that the progression is shocking. So um, it, it, in my relapses, my disease had done push-ups. It got far worse, it was more devastating and deadly. Um, I also have something that is, um, uh, all right, so let me, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll get to that because that's important also. This is not a diet club with prayer. It is not groups, of, it's not rotary, you know, for uh, being a nice person. This is about becoming genuine and authentic and finding out the life that I can live if I am who I'm really meant to be. 
And that most people in the program relapse. This is a level of sobriety, emotional sobriety, if you will, that is very intense. It is very important. But through this, um, I am able to live an authentic life and continuously work on being who I am. Um, I've come to believe that life is a classroom. Um, I, I don't think about it any other way. Um, there is good and bad, there is bad and good. I've had to look at it that way. Um, there is no food plan that will take the pain away. Okay, guys, there is no food plan that will take the pain away. Life can be very, very hard. Um, I am someone who has been in the program. Uh, I was told, and this made a dramatic difference for me, um, that I had two things. A very astute woman who I didn't like, and I kind of still don't, a therapist. Um, but she said to me, Carol, you have two issues. I and I, when I relapsed at 12 and a half years, let me tell you guys, I would get long periods of absence and I would have violent, crashing relapses, including vomiting blood. And the only reason I didn't go to the hospital is because they'd make me stop eating. Like, that's, you know, eh, are you kidding? Hospital? What do you, you know? I didn't care. I had gotten to a point where I was um, suicidal. And this is because of food and because, and you know, I have to tell you, the only time I felt okay was when I was, the moments that I was binging, I felt glued together. So this woman told me, this therapist told me, she said, Carol, the problem here is that you have two issues. One is that you have an eating disorder. And the other one is you have major depression. If you don't address them both, they start to dance. So what would happen is I would get abstinent and I'd be, you know, I'd be totally into it. And then I would start to kind of fall apart the seams. And then it really wasn't that I didn't care about abstinence is that I would start to get like depressed. Like really, I would have a hard time going to meetings. I would have a, you know, anyway. So that was part of it. And uh, a lot of things came together for me. And I will explain what I see as the reasons for relapse. But a lot of things started to come together for me. Um, as I said, this is not a diet club with prayer. This is a program of action. Um, and, and I will tell you, if you're in relapse, the only way I've ever seen, because remember that during that 12 years of relapse, I would have periods of abstinence. I have never been denied abstinence when I've worked for it, okay? So the first abstinence is a gift. The second one you have to work for. What about the 40th, okay? What about the, the 50th? <laughs> you know, the, the, what the abstinence that, you know, and, and I remember when I got abstinent 28 years ago and my brain, which has a- Carol, that's 10. Thank you. My brain has a way of thinking it can kill me and keep going, right? So my brain said to me, oh really, you're abstinent? What makes you think you can stay abstinent? You've been relapsing and I had to say, thank you for sharing. You and I are going to a meeting together. And so I would take my brain and I would tell on myself. And then I started to realize the value of transparency. I started to tell on myself. Something I found in relapse was that there's something called prelapse. And this was given to me by a beautiful kid that I counseled. I went back to school at age 49 and got a master's in mental health counseling and addiction counseling. Um, but I was always like this. This is not because I'm a therapist. I'm, I've always been like this. Um, but he said to me, he said, so you're not, Carol, you're not talking about relapse, you're talking about prelapse. So what I notice in, in prelapse is that I start to so I'm, I'm, I'm rocking it, I'm going to meetings, I'm sharing, I got my hand up, I'm there every day, I'm, who's better than me, right? And then I start to fall off. I think, mm, you know what, I'm gonna call my sponsor when I kind of know, or how are you sponsor, I'm good, how are you? Okay, talk to you tomorrow. 
And then I start like, so in other words, I don't, I talk about recovery, uh, not recovery. I don't, I don't like that word because people use recovery as a rationalization for not being abstinent. I believe in abstinence. I truly believe in abstinence. And I believe it is don't deny yourself abstinence and call it recovery. Get it. It's important. Um, so I'll talk about this. I need to be talking about this. So I'll talk about the easy stuff and not talk about the hard stuff. I have a way of protecting things that are icky in my life, like relationships that aren't working. I'll protect them, but I just don't talk about them. You know, So I have to talk about the hard stuff, the stuff I don't wanna talk about, but someplace deep inside of me, I kind of know I need to talk about that stuff. So, um, boy, I'm all over the place today, aren't I? So what I'm, what I, the, so prelapse is, that I start falling off. I stop talking about the harder stuff. I stop, I'll go to a meeting and I'll kind of be auditing it. I'll kind of be standing in the background, judging, whatever, all right? And then I don't go to that meeting. Those people, I don't like those people. And then I'll call my sponsor when I'm pretty sure she's at work. Then I'll, so in other words, I start, that's prelapse to me. So what I find on the train that is relapse, the food is the caboose. Okay, so what I do now is that when I see the headlights, because guess what, guys? I'm human. 28 years later, I could relapse. I promise. I probably wouldn't go out tomorrow, but over a little bit of time, I could decline. So what I do is that I watch for those signs and I tell myself, if, I, if I'm in a, in a funky mood for too long, I'm on the phone. Like I don't tolerate my thinking without telling somebody. Um, because I have a way of pushing you guys away. I, I, there's something about this disease that makes me think I can do it by myself and I don't need you. And besides, I'm not really a groups person and I'm not really social and I don't really... So anyway, that said, I totally get that about myself. So I tell myself and I put myself in the center. And if I put myself in the center, I can never fall off the edge. There's nothing good for me in the food. There is no extra bite. There is no food type. There is no anything that is gonna give me the peace I'm looking for. It, I've only found it in abstinence. And abstinence for me is having boundaries, having a plan. And you know, uh, people call this perfectly imperfect. That's my program. That is not my food. I do not struggle with food. I do not have a problem with food. I do not rationalize food. I do not make it okay. I hear people, my bottom line, what is that? What is that? That tells me you're in prelapse. That's in my opinion. Now, listen, I don't know you guys. I don't go to this meeting, but anyone who's, you know, I, 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 and it's not because I'm mean and judgmental. I need to know that. I have a freaking disease that wants to take me out. So what I'm saying is that if you're in relapse, the only way I know to get out of relapse, if you've been around a while, people say the steps, the steps, the steps. Absolutely. First three steps. I read them. I pray on them. I, oh, and by the way, I've been an atheist for uh, I'm not really an atheist anymore. I believe in a collective unconscious. I believe in something that works for me. I, I, this has been a hard one for me. I had a childhood God and I was all about the childhood God. And when that broke down and my life went you know, to shambles and I was relapsing and I was in Grand Central Station at three o'clock in the morning eating and throwing up and a street person came up to me and said, honey, are you okay? Did he beat you? Cause I had blood running down my face from the bulimia and I'm in a mink coat Okay, worked on Wall Street, thank you very much. Um, I could not believe in a God that had my best interest at heart. So if you have that kind of God, I admire you, I, I, I don't. I had to figure out something and it has taken me 
I've been on a 40 year spiritual path of trying to figure out what this Carol, that's 15. Thank you. And I can't really say that I have a, I don't believe God is Santa Claus, but I am kind of an atheist towards everybody's God, but my own God is, and I'm not God. I pray to a God I don't always believe in. Um, and you know what? That's good enough. Page 46 of the big book. I'm not a thumper. I'm not a thumper, but my big book is kind of beaten up. It says, we, God does not make too hard terms on those who seek him. Please help me is enough. My sponsor said to me, Carol, I want you to get on your knees and pray to God. And I'm like, you know, because I'm a, the only thing I do pick people pretty well. I do pick sponsors pretty well. So I said to her, I don't believe in God. She goes, okay, well then get on your knees and pray to a God that you don't believe in. And you know what? I could do that. I could do that. That was practical. I could work with that because I had to start realizing as smart as I was, and I am smart, that applying my smarts in this way wasn't working. I had to apply my smarts to what worked. Okay, so as applying my smarts to proving that there was no God didn't work. Applying my smarts to being open to something that I didn't quite understand, but it seemed to be working for others. And your God doesn't have to be my God. Okay, so that, that went out the window a long time ago. Um, okay, so if I found in relapse, the only way to get out of relapse was action action, action, action. You know what, guys, if I can make it to myself, I can make it to a meeting, okay? We are very lucky in this pandemic. We are like, this has changed the face of OA in ways I cannot, 40 years in OA, and I've never seen OA as strong as it is right now. So if you can make it to your sofa, you can get to, a, like I was going to three meetings a day living in Manhattan and get, you know, thank God we had three meetings a day, but that's what I did. That's what I did, three meetings a day. I went to coffee with people, even if I didn't like them, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I made phone calls. I took action, action, action. And I worked my first three steps. I am powerless over food because when that thing sets in, I'm answering. I can't stop it. When that thing calls me, it owns me. That's just the way it is. And that's, so what I've found, so, so it was action, action, action. At when I got 30 days, that's when I started to then pursue the steps in a different way. Step two, I just kind of skipped for like 20 years because I just didn't understand it. And what I found that it meant, and I finally got it, it was about humility. Praying to a God you don't believe. I am not, I did not create the ocean waves. I did not create trees. I did, you know, so there's got to be something bigger than me. Good enough. Good enough. I don't have to define it. I don't have to defy it. Um, and that I always, well, this one oddly was easy for me. I, I, I understood that I had to listen to my gut to get abstinent. So that to me was turning my one life over. So if I've got a boyfriend who's like a, an asshole who's beating me up, but he's cute. Well, that may not be working for me. You know, I, I was a fat girl. I wanted a boyfriend. I mean, I, you know, I, I sold myself to have what I thought would get me liked and included. And so I, I'm gonna bring that into the fourth step. Um, and then I'm gonna probably finish up because I'm talking a long time here. Um, you can act your way into right thinking, but you can't think your way into right acting. So that's what I'm saying about the actions. And it's not like you don't work the steps, but I don't think someone knee deep in food is, is probably at their best in a fourth step. Um, and the other thing about the fourth step is that I took to the fourth step like a duck to water because I just hated myself. And boy, if I could beat myself up, grab a fourth step and let me go to town. So what I understand about the fourth step now, and this took me a while to understand, certainly what I did, 
right? So I had to learn to be honest. I had to be certainly learn to be honest about my food. The other thing, ladies and gentlemen, maybe, but certainly ladies, I've been through menopause. I didn't gain an ounce. I didn't lose an ounce. Guess what? As I've aged, I have to eat less. Just because I'm abstinent, God is not going to take care of business. You know, as I've aged, I've had to eat less. My body is not doing the same things it used to do. And if I don't want to gain weight, I got to look at, you know, sorry, I hate to say this, but guess what? If I eat too much, I'm going to get fat. Okay. That's the way it is. I've had to really look at that. I did not want fat serenity and I didn't want to always be fighting with that extra 10 or 20 pounds in abstinence. Uh, that made me feel miserable. My doctor's on board with my weight. I'm very honest about what I eat and how much I weigh to my sponsor people, my therapist and my doctor. So I just, I didn't want to be that. I just didn't want that. I, I, I freaking fought with the fucking food my whole life. I didn't want that. I have continuously had to let go of the food, and I don't mean let go of food, let go of the food in abstinence. I have not gained an ounce in COVID and I come from anorexia. I have no, not- that's 20. Thank you. And I'll wrap up. I have not lost an ounce in COVID, okay? I've maintained completely. Fourth step was what I did, what was done to me, and what do I continue to allow? What abuse do I continue to allow? This is a fourth step, much of which I've done with a therapist, um, don't deny yourself the gift of therapy, guys. Don't deny yourself if you need it. I was not able to do this. OA gives me something I can't get in therapy. Therapy, therapy gives me something I can't get in OA. Okay, I, I have a wicked eating disorder. And I'm just gonna stop by saying, I found that the three reasons that I see, and there may be many others, but what I see for relapse is that one is that yet really haven't taken step one. So we still think that if I have a binge that I'm back on track. And when I hear somebody say I'm back on track, I, I cringe because back on track, if I'm in the food, I'm in the caboose. I'm in the caboose. I got to get back to the headlights. I got to get back to not seeing any trains, you know? So it really isn't about the food and there's no food that can take the pain of living away. So that's, I haven't really come to terms with that. The other thing is, there are a lot of people I notice, and I'm no exception, suffer with co-occurring mental health issues. I had major depression. I'm also diagnosed with borderline. Let me tell you something, that one's a bitch, okay? And I don't wanna live in that world. And because I don't, I do the work. And I've had to really address the co-occurring. I did not wanna go on medication. I did not wanna be, I felt God was gonna cure me of depression. Like with the, well, it didn't work that way. I had to seek treatment for my depression. They are two separate issues. And if not treated separately, they dance. And one will bring you into the other, back into the other. And I have had suicidal thoughts with a plan. So uh, this is an ugly, ugly, ugly disease. It is ruthless, it is unforgiving, and it is cruel. Um, and the third thing I see what keeps people in relapse is historical trauma. And let me tell you something, I still am uncovering the trauma. I was bullied as a kid. You know what, I joined them, I bully myself. I've been, you know, I had a, a recent, I had, I, I sneezed, my brain said, COVID, all right, I, I don't leave my house. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm, I'm really very respectful of this disease. And then you know what something said to me? No, no, no. I used to traumatize myself for being like, like there was nothing I, my brain wouldn't do to make me feel worse. And it is only through the work of really looking and dealing with the PTSD 
that and you know I I've had sponsees that have said oh everybody gets raped at 10 years old that, that that's old news and but you have to own your story no not it you can't get better by it's common no it's not, you have to own what you lived through what you went through process it and heal to have a and I have to tell you guys that this 10th step promises I have ceased fighting anything or anyone even food I do not fight with the food I am perfectly imperfect in my program, my food is easy. I am not perfectly imperfect with food. I, I don't, that is not even something that is on my radar. I don't even, I'm sorry. I do not wear abstinence like a, like a loose garment. I wear my life like a loose garment. My, my food is clear. My, I'm very clear about food. I, I, I have to tell you, I cringe when I hear some of this stuff. On that note, okay, I'm not, I'm not God. I'm talking for myself. I am who I am. Um, I, I, my number's there. I don't get a lot of calls, you know? Um, I will tell you, if you're working harder than your sponsee, you're working too hard. I'm a very good sponsee. I'm cooperative. I, I don't, you know, my sponsor told me, and I'm gonna end on this, make a gratitude list. And I was kind of like insulted. I, first of all, I don't make gratitude lists, all right? I'm happy to be alive. You know what? Last, what, four months, every day, gratitude list. I don't know everything, okay? Anyway, um, I hope this was helpful. Um, this is a debilitating, cruel disease. Um, when I have reached for help, it has always come to me. The worst thing I think you can do with this damn disease is be isolated, reach out, ask for help, talk about it, pray to a God you don't believe in or pray to a God you do believe in. Um, oddly enough, it seems to all work and stay close. I've stayed close. I have never heard people we keep coming back. We do that for a reason, but don't deny yourself the gift of clean abstinence and long-term recovery. I, I, I believe in long-term abstinence. Um, anyway, thank you. Carol, thank you so much. We'll just stop the recording now and uh...